Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is a show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. And first off, let me just say that I have a cold in June in Texas and it's 100 degrees outside. I'm not sure how that's possible, but here we are. So if I sound a little stuffy, then that that's why. Um, but today's guest is Jan Bennett who I'm not sure how well known she is like across the globe or whatnot, but uh, in, in Texas, I feel like she's really well known. She's just a wealth of information whenever it comes to bikepacking, whether it's like routes or just anything like what to eat and how to pack your bike and what gear you should use and why you should use it and, and all that stuff. And that's an area that I'm, I'm not, uh, not as knowledgeable in. Um, I, I'm the kind of person that relies on people like her to kind of do the product testing and be like, Hey, this is what you should use. And then I read what she says and I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'll do that. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate her and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get, uh, all of her little, maybe not all of them. She has a lot more than what we covered on the show, but I'm excited that we were able to kind of scratch the surface of some of the things that she has floating around in her, in her brain and putting that out there for, for everybody. But on, on top of all the information that she has, uh, and the experiences that she has, I truly appreciate the way that she's living her life. Um, we'll talk more about it, but she's made conscious efforts and decisions to focus her life on the things that really bring her joy and happiness and to shed the things that were just kind of weighing her down and not bring her the happiness that she was looking for in life. And that can be a really hard and scary thing to do. And it's something that I, I really respect. Um, and so she's a, she's just a great example of, of somebody who has identified the thing in her life that really makes her happy and then made the decisions um, to be able to spend more time doing those things. So, so yeah, I I hope that resonates with y'all as well. I think it's a a really impressive thing and I definitely uh, look up to her and aspire to that uh, in my own life. All right, before we get to the show, just a few notes. If you have been spending a lot of your time trying to think of ways that you can support the Bikes for Death podcast, I have great news for you. Not only can you go on Patreon and sign up as a patron to financially support the show, not only can you go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, but now there is a third option. You can go to my website, it's bikesordeath.com, and I've set up a super fancy hyperlink. Uh, it's an Amazon affiliate hyperlink. And if you will click on that, bookmark it as your Amazon shopping for anything you want link, then every time you spend money on Amazon, it doesn't cost you anything, but it takes money away from Jeff, Jeff Bezos and puts it into my pocket which I think we can all agree, Jeff has enough billions of gazillions of dollars and he doesn't need any more, but I do, I need that money where I want it. I could use it, right? I could use that money to to benefit the show, to compensate me for my time and all that. So I think it's a great way for for y'all who are just, you're dying for a way to help. I know you do. I know you wanna support the show. I know you want it to grow. I know you want it to be better. And I know that you're spending a lot of your time trying to figure out what you can do to support the show. But hey, I'm here for you guys. 
I am here for you and I have a great solution. So pick one of those options, pick all three, pick two out of three, doesn't matter, but please uh, find your way to support the show. And uh, hey, I, I appreciate it. And so does everybody else who enjoys this content. One quick note on the actual website itself. Um, it looks like Mickey Mouse designed it and that's because I am currently trying to teach myself how to build a website and I really don't know how. Um, so yeah, the website kind of looks like crap and it'll probably go through about a thousand different iterations of designs and layouts and colors and blah, 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 blah until I can, uh, you know, get it where I want it to be. Um, but in the meantime, the Amazon affiliate link works perfectly. So just ignore all that other stuff, head right to that Amazon link and give it a clickeroo. All right, well, I think that's all I got for you, except for the show. All right, today I am uh, sitting down with Jan Bennett. Uh, thanks for coming to my house and talking bikes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I know we like just we've been she's in dallas and i'm in college station we're about three and a half hours apart and so i just put it on a radar and i'm like all right let's uh try to connect anytime we're in each other's vicinity and we've been trying to connect for a while and so thanks for sticking it out and you're here yeah um i think like a good way to start the podcast would just probably be to like talk about what you did in the last like three or four days because you didn't get to college station like the way most people would. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I took the train from Dallas to Temple Yeah. and then rode my bike from Temple down to Luling for an event down there. How far was that? Yeah. Um, I think it was about 150 miles down. Um, took three days. Just kind of took my time, scouted some new stuff, found some really cool, really cool roads. Yeah. Yeah. Scouting just for fun? Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was the event that you were doing in Lowling? Uh, it was the Yellow Rose Rambler from Spinistry, Kevin Lee. Yeah, so he had a route that he put together down there for a gravel event. And then he's been adding on some bikepacking options to a lot of his events so that we can do some just overnights. Yeah, is that what this was? Uh, this was one of those, yes. So how many miles was it? Uh, the total route was 90 miles. So 50 miles the first day and then 40 miles back. So it wasn't a, a race. It was just an event. Um, he may have had a race for the just gravel right. part of it. But yeah, the bikepacking stuff was just go have fun. Yeah. So you pure lail fashion, you rode to the start of the event. And then, uh, well, I think you got it. You hitched a ride uh, <laughs> after that. But yeah, ride to the start. Of the, so you rode more miles getting to the event than you actually rode okay. for the event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So let's go back a little bit. Um, yeah, I'd love to just get a little bit of your history in cycling and then how you got into bikepacking, when you got into bikepacking, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I started out by riding road. Um, we used to have motorcycles and a way to cross train for motorcycles is to ride bicycles. And so we picked them up and about a year after that realized we hadn't ridden our motorcycles. <laughs> so, really? yeah, so we, uh, it kind of took off. For us and from there i like i said i started racing road got pretty serious into that when was this how long ago um about four years ago was my last race okay yeah um 
worked my way up to category two, started to kind of dive into the national scene a little bit, and then had a pretty bad crash and hurt my back. So I had to take about five months off of all activity. And then the only bike I could ride after that for a while was a more upright bike. And so I kind of got into touring a little bit. And the more time I spent out, the more I was like, I just really want to be on those gravel roads and see what's out there. Yeah. And that just kind of went from there. And I haven't raced since then. <laughs> I want to hear about the motor- motorcycles. What were y'all doing with that? Were y'all racing motorcycles? Uh, we were doing track days. So yeah. we were preparing to race, basically. But my husband had a pretty bad accident and broke the head off his femur and we had to kind of take a step back. <laughs> yeah, I asked. I uh, actually used to own a motorcycle business and uh, rode crotch rockets, sport bikes, like for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it just got to the point where like too many people were getting injured. And uh, yeah, I had a daughter and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just hang up the, the bike. I don't, I think it's something I'd like to pick up later on, you know, like a touring bike and go like tour the desert, like, like a dual sport. Y- dual sport like when i'm like 80 or something and i can't ride my bike but now we have e-bikes so it's really like limitless now like i I, we can bike pack until we die you know totally yeah (laughs) i was just in arkansas and i was pulling the baby the baby trailer and we're going up this steep hill and this old dude passed me just you know like i don't even know if he was pedaling you know he's just like but hey respect i'm gonna be there one day hopefully it's a long long ways from now but yeah, I um, I love the motorcycles, but man, the danger aspect of it is Absolutely. like it's it's a little risky. So um, so that was like four years ago that you got into touring. I think it was about four years ago. Yeah. Did you have Did you come to it with like a lot of like outdoor experience? Um, a, a decent amount. I yeah. did a lot of outward bound trips, like through high school. You know, the eight day trips. I did three of them in high school, and then I've just always been all about being outside so i've never even heard of those what is that um so it's similar to the Knowles stuff the uh, national outdoor leadership school so outward bound is kind of another version of that and it's basically you sign up for a trip and they take you out they guide you um and you go out in the wilderness and you can do backpacking or sea kayaking or dog sledding or you know just any number of things basically what what age range is it is it for a specific group of people like high school students or they they have courses that are all different kinds like they'll have women's only or 30 plus or couples courses or high school you know teenagers okay um yeah so they have a bunch of different types of classes or events i guess you could say Man, that's so cool. I can't believe I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I feel like I should. I grew up in the Boy Scouts, and so that was like my introduction. So I guess I wasn't seeking other avenues to like go experience outside. But I always wonder for women specifically, because the Girl Scouts is not quite at that level. Right. Um, and, and one thing I've noticed, and we can talk more about this here in a little bit maybe, but like there's a lot of women in the sport that have never had any outdoor experience before. And I just, it's something that was kind of blind to me. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so where are you going to get that experience from if your parents aren't taking you camping? Exactly. So that's, that's super cool that you, why did you decide to do that? What, what age were you? Um, I think my first one was probably freshman or no, it was eighth grade. 
Wow. It was eighth grade. It was my first one. And then I did another one, I think, my between my freshman and sophomore year. And then another one, I believe it was between my junior and senior year. Wow. So you're, you're just an adventurous spirit, like from a young age. You could say that. Yeah. <laughs> Did, were, is your family like outdoorsy or? Not at all. So you, man, were you rebelling from your parents? You're like, I'm just going to get away. Probably. I'm going to get dirty. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my uh, grandmother raised me and she did not like the fact that I like to play in the mud. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Wow. That's so cool. Well, that that's, yeah. And I think that's so important that, um, that there's organizations out there that makes me like super excited. And I'm glad we're, I'm glad you're talking about it mm-hmm. that, cause I didn't know about it. Hopefully other people will, uh, take advantage of that too. Yeah. Um, and outward bound does offer scholarships too. So if, uh, you know, the trip seems a little out of reach, I would definitely say to just look into the scholarship option. Yeah. Good. Thank you. All right. So I follow you on Instagram and on Facebook, you're active, like with the te- Texas bike packing, you are always on a bike trip or on some kind <laughs> of like you are the most well-traveled person I follow. I think. How do you do it? I have a few theories. You either won the lottery, or you got one of those emails from like an African prince, and there was like a long-lost relative, <laughs> and you were like, "Yes, that was my relative. Send me the money." <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, how do you have the time? Like, how do you find the time to be able to go and do all these trips? So we, a few years ago, um, made the decision to really look at our lives and step back on a lot of stuff that, you know, at the time you, you feel like they're necess- necessities, but you know, in the long run, like, what is it really going to gain us? Yeah. I, I was Talk about material. Mm-hmm. I'm much more interested in the experiences and being able to end my day saying, okay, I've learned something or I've seen something new or yeah. I've, you know, gone out and explored. So yeah, we made some life adjustments and it is what it is. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about, cause that's something that I'm really personally interested in and have been very intentional about cutting out crap in my life that I don't need. Like the house we're in, we, you know, we're planning on upgrading. We're not, we're going to stay. It's like a 1500 square foot house it's fine. You know, I have a nice backyard, like, um, my Ford, that new truck, I'm like selling that one. And I bought the 1991 Toyota Forerunner, paid cash. Like, I'm like, I don't need like an ego truck. Like I don't need a, uh, this expensive truck that like makes me look cool or what, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, it's something that I wish I discovered early, earlier in my life, you know, because I used to buy like two bikes a year. And I mean, just, it's like, oh man, so much money. And if you like look at your life, all right, okay, what did all those new bikes equal? Or what is that truck? What is the value of that truck? And you just, they don't really carry any significance in your life, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so yeah. Can you talk a little bit about more about your process of? Well, for one, riding my bike all day, every day, doesn't really cost a whole lot. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) So, you know, you find ways to cut corners, um, even, even while out on a trip, you know, just stay at the primitive sites, especially here in Texas, you know, the wild camping is not really looked well upon in Texas since we're so private, careful, so privately owned. Um, but yeah, basically like we don't, a lot of people do this now. We don't have cable TV at home. You know, we've really kind of moved our lives away from 
watching TV in general, mm-hmm. um, which I have realized has made a big difference because, you know, you're watching TV and you're seeing what you, what society is probably telling you, you know, you right. should be doing. Yeah. And the more you're away from that, you're like, no, I just, I really don't need all that. Right. I'm happy. I'm really happy doing this. Like, I don't think that the, you know, new 60 inch TV is going to make me any happier. Right. So, or the content that comes on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, you don't miss it when you're out riding your bike and you're camping and you're seeing a beautiful sunset or watching a starry night or whatever it is. Like the last thing you were thinking about is the season finale of game of Thrones. That's tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going to, I think that's like the only TV show. Yeah. That is the only TV show we watch together as, as a couple. And then I try to, I've, I've gotten on a good kick of reading a lot, like getting back in the habit of reading at night instead of watching TV. And that's, that's way more fulfilling. And, no, I've Makes done you, I've done the same thing yeah. lately. Yeah, I've I've started to get back into reading more, and it's it's easier for me to just kind of disconnect when I'm reading right. than when I'm sitting watching TV because I can just you know grab my phone, look at my phone exactly. while I'm watching TV. And... I was about to say that. Yeah, you're just you're watching TV, but then you're like on Instagram and other stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, firing off emails. But if you read, you just you sit there and you read. Mm-hmm. So what's a good book you've read recently? Oh man, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> It's it's been a while. I do a lot of audiobooks. Yes. So yeah. I've kind of I've enjoyed um, like the Silo series. I'm not familiar it's, with that one. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic. Okay. You know, the world's come to an end, and there's people living in silos underground, and it's kind of mm. the story about how that happens. So okay, I really enjoy longer audiobooks on the bike. Stuff right. that really I I can kind of lose myself in for 40 hours for a book, you know? Yeah. So I was talking to Lael and she said the exact same thing on her AZT, uh, attempt. She did, uh, uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. So that, like, that's a good one. You just put it in. And we talked about that where like, and, and I'm curious if this is similar for you, but like I use, uh, audio as a way to like, keep my mind relaxed while my body is going through something like more intense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that helps to just keep you relaxed? And, oh yeah. 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 Cause I, I can find myself if, you know, man, this, this climb is just, it's brutal. I, uh, wait, I just missed what happened in the book. Okay. Hold on. I got to rewind. <laughs> okay. Now I can, oh wait, now I'm at the top of the climb, you know? Yeah. So it, yeah, it's it definitely gives you a little distraction Yeah. and it doesn't take away from like your other senses of like sight and just experiencing where you're at, you know, Yeah. I find it, yeah, it helps sometimes. I was going to ask you what, if you listen to anything, um, when you ride or, you know, what, what you do to kind of keep your, you do a lot of solo. Oh yeah. 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 A lot well, of solo stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk more about that. Cause I'm super interested. I think you'll have some great experiences to share, but I had a, okay. So I have a fun question for you. You're, uh, you're at a, a cocktail party. I'm sure you go to lots of them. Oh yeah. Tons. <laughs> That's like your scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and someone's like, so Jan, you ride your bike across the country like how do you explain to people what you do if they don't if they don't really have like a framework to understand what you're talking about yeah so the best most concise way i've found that most people seem to get pretty quickly is it's backpacking on a bicycle yeah it's you know i I have everything i need and i'm comfortable using it all i can just take off and 
I have food, I have water, I have shelter. Yeah. How empowering is that? It's awesome. Yeah. That's the best feeling. And that's what really going back to our earlier conversation and maybe you're similar. It's like that really helped inform my understanding of how little we really need to be happy. You know, did, did it, did it? Absolutely. Was yes. that it? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a process. I mean, everyone does it when they first start getting into bikepacking, right? We pack our fears. We pack yes. so much stuff. And then the more you do it, the more you trim your kit down mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, you go out for an overnight and you carry no, three yeah. times more things than you need. Right. Cause they're, they're fun, comfortable, whatever. But yeah, yeah. They'll take that camping chair that or absolutely. something, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that in your picture for your camping setup. This one, actually, I'm just remembering back to that Facebook yeah. post and there was that little yeah yeah the chair is is kind of my one item my one luxury i just at the end of a long day to be able to sit down and lean back yeah is just yeah i need it <laughs> dude that's a good that's a good one uh whenever i did that trip to big uh, to big ben ranch uh, mm-hmm. state park with the adventure media class there was one kid who brought that probably a very similar chair to what you had and we, i had a long conversation not super long but i talked to him like you know I feel like that's one weight penalty that I, I would really be totally fine with Mm -hmm. because like, you're just so tired. You want a nice place to just sit around the campfire, eat your food, drink your coffee in the morning. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Not have to be hunched over in your tent, you know? (laughs) Yeah. What, what chair do you use? I'm curious. It's the, the goals, not the goal zero, the, um, chair zero chairs. I think that's the same one he had. Yeah. Okay. It weighs a pound. Yeah. That's the one. It yeah. folds up pretty good. All that folds up small. Yeah. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's super durable and it's a pound. It packs down pretty small. All right. Well, this is that's a perfect segue because, like, my perception of you is, uh, I mean, you are a wealth of information. <laughs> Anytime you post something on Instagram or on Facebook, um, actually, I have an example. Okay, so this was just yesterday. Okay. Somebody posted up on Texas Bikepacking and was talking about uh, what seat bag they should use for their wife. And somebody else is like, ask Jan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's on a small cutthroat too, yeah. Yeah, you're like the the encyclopedia, especially for like Texas Bikepacking. It's like, oh, I want to know about this. Ask Jan. Jan knows. (laughs) And so you gave like a really, a really good response with like a lot of information and you were talking about how, what is it? You bought a piece of copper plumbing coupling pipe, put a layer of electrical tape on the seat post, slid the coupler over the seat post, then used more electrical tape to secure <laughs> it. And that's how I got, uh, that's how I got away with using the bindle on a Sintase. Cent- oh, the carbon fiber seat post, basically. Carbon fiber yeah. seat, seat post, yeah. Like, okay, so the question is, I mean, number one, that's cool and thank you for like, being that wealth of information for so many people who are wanting to get into the sport, but in such a short period of time, how did you acquire all that knowledge? Cause you only get it through either researching it or doing it and kind mm-hmm. of learning through tri- trials. And yeah, I, I guess for me, I've always been like, if this is the way everyone's doing it, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause maybe that doesn't work for me. And so instead of trying to fit, the way everyone else does it to my way of doing things. I just kind of approach it like, well, I need this to work on this. So how can I make that happen? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have any type of like, I don't know, like an engineering or any background where. Yeah. So my, 
I initially started at Texas A and M with a uh, was focused on a degree in manufacturing mechanical engineering okay. technologies. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have you have a mind for that anyway. Yeah, because yeah. I mean I didn't even I, what I just read like I didn't understand that. I'm not. <laughs> I don't have a mind for that. You yeah, know, like, at all. Yeah, but I respect it, and I'm glad that somebody out there does, and then they put that information out there so other people can benefit from it. You oh, know? I, thank you for saying that. I, I like knowing that it's helping. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're like the go-to person in Texas, I feel like, <laughs> if you want to know anything about bikepacking. I'm not I'm not just tooting your horn. Like, I mean, I'm sure you're, um, you're aware. I mean, that is not an uncommon occurrence where someone's like, ask Jan. You know, like, that's pretty pretty common and that's cool in like such a short period of time that you've like just amassed all this information and i think part of it is like going back to like probably how you've reconfigured your life to be more uh make you more available to go on these types of trips which every time you go on a trip you learn something absolutely you know even if it's an overnight yeah yes. even if it's an overnight that didn't actually happen <laughs> you know, there's still like the, the process of preparing for it. You learn something, right? you know, so. So I, I'm going to ask you a hard one for fun. Um, okay. So since you are so knowledgeable, I don't want to build you up too much, I'm, but I mean, I, I do, you, you have a, a really uh, like a vast array of information, knowledge about bikepacking, but what is something that you struggle with? or not good at, or currently like working on improving? Wow. Um, there are some times that I feel like I've trimmed my kit back too much. Oh. Yeah. Like where, man, I thought about, you know, putting that one item in and set it aside at the last minute. And now I'm here and I, you know, wish I had those long pants <laughs> instead of my rain pants only, you know, yeah. something like that. So but that's that's a hardcore answer. <laughs> the thing you're not good at is taking too little. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gone. It's like a pendulum, right? Uh -huh. So like you first start out, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you first start out and you take everything in the kitchen sink, and mm -hmm. I had gone to one extreme, and now it's like, oh, okay, let's let's come back. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I still want to enjoy this right. while I'm out here, and not not be miserable. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's actually good. I haven't reached that other side of the pendulum yet. Like I'm, I feel like my kit right now is, is pretty dialed in. Like mm -hmm. I, Jared Foster asked me when we were on that trip, he was like, what did you bring that you didn't use or didn't need? And I couldn't think it like I've every single piece of whatever, other than like repair equipment or right. whatever, um, I used, you know, Perfect. and I was like, man, all right, I nailed it. Yeah. So now the next step you're telling me is I'm going to have to like start taking away things that I wish I had with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't, you don't have to do that. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. If you're happy with your kit right now, then yeah. yeah, if it's what keeps you comfortable out there, you know? So where, what's the motivation to keep taking away, you know, quote unquote luxury items? I, I want to go further and see more. And for me, in order to feel comfortable doing that and going to more remote places, I, mm. I want a lighter, more compact kit, basically. Leaves you, room for water and food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, those are, those are the things that really matter. Yes. <laughs> water, food, a shelter is great. Yeah. Outside of that, you're gonna be okay. Yes. You know, I mean, if your bike breaks, you can walk it, I mean, God, it's that's such a liberating liberating feeling yeah. to like 
I mean, you got food, water, shelter. I mean, can I real. can I fix my bike enough to limp to the next road where I think there's going to be someone there or yeah. in the next town? You know. Let, let's go back to the very beginning. Like, okay. what was your first like trips like? Because I, you know, so often we talk about these epic rides and the races and. We're going to talk about the Pony Express, uh, a route that you're working on mm-hmm. in a little bit. But like that is such a daunting thing for most people to look at and be like, oh, my gosh, like that's huge. So like how did. Yeah. Like, let's go back to the beginning, because I think it'll be helpful for people to understand. Like, I mean, you're you get on your bike and you go wherever you want to go and you're totally fine. But what for, was the for pro- the most part? Most I part. wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say anywhere. But yeah. 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 So what was the, what, how'd you like get into it? Um, so really my, some of my first bikepacking experiences, we were driving across the desert in Utah, Nevada, and I had a road bike with me, stopped. I got out, started riding and, you know, go by a dirt road that you can see for miles that it just goes off. And then off the distance, it climbs this mountain. I want to know where that went. I can't do it on this road bike. Mm-hmm. So then like the next year, I'd plan a route through there and, you know, I had five liters of water with me and four hours later I was out of water, 40 miles from the road, you know, completely in over my head, you know, had to hit the come help me button so my husband could come get me, (laughs) you know, he wasn't very far, thankfully. So yeah, making mistakes like that, you just, I learned, you know, I learned from all my mistakes uh, and just kind of kept pushing, kept pushing further to to see what else was out there. How do you, how do you like test out your gear or your setup or your tent or all that kind of stuff? Like you just go on little mini trips? Pretty much. Yeah. If, if like I'll plan a trip and if the weather looks like it's going to be bad, I mean, as long as we're not talking four inch hail and tornadoes, (laughs) I'll I'll just say, you know what, this is my chance to test it. You know, sometimes if I'm at home and a storm's rolling through, I'll set my tent up out back. Yeah. Um, and kind of try a different way of pitching it or, you know, something like that. And yeah. kind of go out there every now and then and see what's going on, you know. I love that. I That's something that I talk about. I do a lot of testing in my backyard. Um, I have a decent amount of camping experience, but you get new equipment, you need to know how to use it. I got into hammock camping, and that was a whole new world. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, so I love to put that out there, like, you can just go in your backyard and you'll be the crazy person. And all the neighbors think you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine being that crazy person. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Do, it, I do it a lot with, um, I started to kind of look at, uh, food options. So like oh, yeah. making my own meals <clears throat> with, yeah, let's talk about food options. That's great. Yeah. Freeze dried, dehydrated foods. Like what, what is available out there? What can I throw together that, you know, makes a great meal in the back country, right? What does make a great meal in the back? Like, oh, let's... I love a, a good vegetable curry quinoa. Yeah. So do you freeze dry yourself and then... Mm, I haven't gotten quite there yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of, you know, I, I, I love a lot of different types of food. So kind of throwing some ideas together and even just at home, I'll just kind of rummage through the pantry. I, I kind of have a stock of of a bunch of different, you know, freeze dried or dehydrated individual items. And I'll just kind of use that as my grocery store and Mm. create some stuff and throw it in a bag and take it out with me. Are you doing any cooking when you camp or? Uh, Yes, absolutely. That's, that's part of the best part to me. 
is okay. is at the end of a long day you're tired and you can just get your chair mm-hmm. <laughs> sit in your chair and just take everything in while you're cooking a quick meal you know instead yeah. of just unwrapping that sandwich from the grocery store right. or from the convenience store yeah I, i'm with you there like whenever i did the grand gravel 500 i brought my stove and i mm-hmm. brought food and it's like oh man after a long day like you just want a reward yeah i actually wound up not using it because i was so tired i was like oh. <laughs> yeah yeah in a, in a race i can definitely i think see I, that. yeah i wasn't really racing but you know <laughs> i was in a race but not racing right right um it was my first one and yeah i finished that's all i really cared about hey. no but yeah i think i made i only made coffee one time it was a rough morning couldn't even walk my legs were so I mean, oh. I was just done. I woke up and tried to stand up outside of the hammock and I just like fell to the ground. Yeah. And so I, I was like, well, I can't walk. I might as well sit here and drink some coffee and try to like, <laughs> you know, try to, try to get going again. Yeah. Just try to warm the engine back up. Yeah. I used my bike as a crutch and I just kind of like walked, um, up and down this gravel road with my bike. And then I like started riding and then mm-hmm. eventually like got back going again but just had to prime it (laughs) yeah i just had to had to get it going that's the only time i use it but like on i don't do like racing really isn't like my thing i'm more interested in the experience Mm -hmm. um and yeah having the coffee in the morning and the food at night and just enjoying where you're at you know all that stuff so speaking of that like what like what motivates you to go and and do these epic trips or even small trips like I just want to see stuff. I want yeah. to. I want to see stuff. Before I got into bikepacking, talking with people was hard for me. It was. It was a daunting task. And mm. then I've realized, especially on my Pony Express trip this last year, like I'm in the middle of a cornfield in Nebraska, and the farmer drives by, and I stood there and talked to him for thirty minutes about what I'm doing, and talked to him about what life is like out there and just kind of get a completely different perspective on things. And Mm. that has really motivated me just to, I love going uh, to different places and just seeing how different people live kind of what, what makes them get through a day, Mm -hmm. you know, a week, a month, whatever. So have you had some pretty crazy reactions from people? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You, you started where, you know, how far have you gone or how long, how, how, how many miles have you done today? You know, right. stuff like that. And of course, you know, are you alone? And those kind of questions, of course, always come up. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I like, it's kind of been that complete flip for me. Now I really enjoy going out and talking to complete strangers. <laughs> like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're doing well. I mean, you came on a podcast. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for yeah. someone who doesn't like talking, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> If it's something that I enjoy, yeah, I I definitely found yeah. that makes a big difference. I know, right? Like talking about bikes is so, or bikepacking and nature and all that, you know, it's like, man, this is just fun. Like I look yeah. forward to interviews. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to learn something today. I get to talk to somebody else who's just as excited and nerdy about all these things like I am, it's which so is awesome. why I started. It's like, I just, the, the way I started was like, I started an Instagram account just so I could be a bike nerd. Like, I, you know, and like a, just hang out with other bike nerds on the internet and completely let my freak flag fly. And then it evolved into a podcast where I can just like talk to people about bikes. And I think that's so awesome. It's fun, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's the best thing. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. The problem is I'm, 
I've been enjoying it so much. I haven't been riding my bike as much oh, lately. Oh no! So I had to like, uh, I had to kick my own ass and like get things in gear. I'm like, dude, come on, uh, you know, you got to be like, I don't know. I'm trying to find that balance. You know, it's always about like, you know, balance. You got yeah. work, family. You got to ride your bike. I mean, really enjoying the podcast and all that. And so I wanna, I wanna do it, but I just gotta. Yeah. It's one more ball to juggle. Yes. You yeah. Know? But it's it's a good ball, and I'm glad to be juggling it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, all right. So you talk a lot about um, riding solo. Can you, I mean, number one, why? There's let's not... start. Let's start there. Why? Why um, solo? Well, not many people that I know can just kind of say, oh, I'm going to go out on a trip this week. You know, so that's that's a lot to do with it. But I really do value my alone time. I do yeah. too. It's yeah. it's like uh, it's a chance to disconnect from the world and reconnect with myself, and just it's it's like a meditation. Wow. Yeah. That's so funny. I said those exact same words yesterday. Oh yeah. Disconnect from the world and reconnect with myself. Yeah. I mean yeah. something. I mean identical to that. But I mean you hit it. I mean that's exactly what it is. And I I like riding with people sometimes, but a lot of times I find like the bike is, man. I just want to go and have that therapy, that bike therapy and wilderness therapy and yeah helps put things in perspective and then when i have a little dance party on the bike it's not quite as embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) what does a dance party on a bike look like you just kind of move around a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah the other day i was came up on a crest and it was just this long beautiful gravel downhill and i was listening to tom petty and it was the chorus and it was i'm free falling like right as i came over the top of the hill i was like oh this is perfect yeah so you're a woman and you're riding solo. I think it's important that you talk about maybe the safety side of it, because as I've done this, I've learned by talking to other women that there's concerns and not, and being a man, I'm probably ignorant to a lot of them. Um, so yeah, like how, what, 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 what are some concerns you're aware of and how do you deal with them? Yeah, so that's that's a pretty loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> I do. I I get that question a lot. Yeah. Um, you just kind of learn how to read people. Um, I think as women, we are already kind of aware of that and more in tune with it, maybe. Right. Um, and on top of that, you just kind of maybe you don't give out as much information. You know, I, I, one of the most frequent questions I get is, well, where are you staying? Well, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you following me. So, you know, stuff like that. You just kind of, you have to learn to, I guess, dodge questions sometimes, or, you know, one of the, one of the things also, if I'm, um, approached by someone and I act scared, like that can offend them, which can lead to an escalation. Mm -hmm. But if I'm more confident, in myself and my surroundings and in talking with them, it, it opens the door for dialogue. And, Mm. you know, I've met a lot of really nice people that way. So the, if I've let fear control me, then I feel like that honestly puts me into kind of some different situations than if I recognize that fear and kind of address it myself. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, even myself, uh, I remember, I was doing that event and it was like two thirty in the morning. I was standing in front of a church 
just like I don't I was looking looking at maps and eating a snack and trying to plan my life for the next few hours and some guy rolls up in an old Chevy truck and like what are you doing here mm -hmm. and I was feeling escalated on the inside I'm like okay it's two something in the morning I'm in the middle of nowhere and it's just a, a weird situation you know you're like okay how is this gonna go but I, I remember that moment like kind of the same thing you're talking about just trying to be like don't start it off escalated you know like yeah. start it off like hey man yeah i'm just out here riding my bike i know i'm crazy you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing and hopefully they respond in kind right. um because i didn't want to hit that spot tracker you know come and get me button i mean i had my finger on it but i didn't yeah. want to have to use it yeah and that's that's a, a lot of it too is just kind of before i go out on a trip okay, like a mental checklist. I've, if if I get, find myself in a situation, like what are my options? Mm -hmm. What do I have with me? What I can, what can I do? You know, that spot tracker is a, a great kind of security blanket, but it won't prevent something from happening. So yeah. I really believe that the best thing is just preventing situations in the first place. So do you carry like mace or anything like that? sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah it, it kind of depends on where I am yeah but yeah yeah I care I mean whether it's for dogs or people I don't know it's just uh, something I've always uh, packed on there because um, you never know have you had any like sketchy situations yeah can you talk about it yeah uh, probably like one of the most recent ones I was in this little campground in Oklahoma that was pretty backwoods and uh, they had this, it was a weird, it was like an off-road park. And I was staying there because I was scouting a route through Oklahoma. And they had this little, like, bar that was there. And there was a gentleman there that was pretty well in. Yeah. And, uh, he'd been there a while. Yeah, he'd been there a while. <laughs> and, you know, was really interested in talking to me a lot. And then he had to go to the bathroom. And it was, like, my opportunity to escape, but I had to take the back way to my campground instead of just going straight to my campground because mm -hmm. I didn't want him to you know see where I was going so it goes back to the like those are the things that women have to kind of yeah focus on more that maybe some men it's not as prevalent to them yeah I mean I wouldn't <clears throat> yeah I mean it's just not something that we I have to I've ever had to deal with yeah I mean that one that's the only instance the one I just shared is the only time I can ever think about where I was like, okay, this is sketchy. And it was totally fine. He was like, what are you doing? You know yeah. and I mean? It was totally fine, but it was also like, I was thinking through my options, mm -hmm. like what, okay. You know? And so it sounds like you just have a much more well-prepared list of contingencies. Like it's something you're just aware of. And yeah, I, I had my, my childhood wasn't necessarily the greatest. And so maybe that in the long run has helped me kind of be a little more aware and prepared yeah. for things. So, so yeah. it's benefit. <laughs> yeah. Nice way to put a positive spin on a rough childhood. <laughs> I like that. I'm always positive too. I'm like a glass half full of everything. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Life is weird, right? I mean, you're sitting here right now. Are you happy? Like, you know, yeah. everything's good. You got a drink in your hand and, mm -hmm. you know, like, so you could like complain about all the things that like, oh, my life was this, but yeah, but they all led up to this right. You know, right here and they informed who I am. And exactly. So I don't know. It's, 
I, I'm, the, I'm the same way. I, I'm just like, you know, I mean, yeah, but I learned from it, you know, yeah. like that. I didn't die, did I? I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't. That's a great one. I didn't. I didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do on an event, a race? Ah, I didn't die. So yeah. I came out and I learned something. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. One. All right. Well, let's uh, let's lighten it up a little bit. I, I think that's really important, though. And I'm, I'm, I'm thank you for sharing that, because I think there's a lot of people that would probably benefit from that. And I kind of want to. I have a wife and two daughters and I, I really want to be aware of these things so that when we go and do trips, I can be more informed myself mm -hmm. and be looking out and all, you know, what, um, let's talk about the gear. Okay. I'll tell you real briefly. So my wife rides an extra small salsa Fargo. Okay. Finding bags that fit it, finding a seat bag that will, or saddle bag that'll go on the back and have enough clearance. I had to take hers from a 29er to a 27.5 and then went through three different seat bags. Um, yeah, like what uh, What have you figured out as a, cause what, what size do you ride, a small? A small, yeah. yeah. So what, maybe you could talk about your setup and what you've learned, cause the industry is not super. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're saying. And it's, I'm, yeah, go ahead. It's, um, so I, I kind of call myself a weight weenie. In reality, it's out of necessity because the generally the lighter weight items are smaller. So like I do run an ultralight tent mostly because it packs down small. Mm. You know, I, I do run, I pick, I pick my gear, I'd say mostly based on how small it'll pack down because I can't run a large frame bag. I can't run a large seat bag. You know, right. I'm... I'm Unless I run that bindle, I'm limited to the nine liter tail bag, you know, and the, the, at most, maybe the medium front roll, you know? So that goes back to the, maybe I trim my kit down too much at a certain point, okay, but I, yeah. that was out of necessity, you know? So you kind of, you know, learn how to adapt to that. So what is your set, set up uh, a seat bag, a frame bag, a front roll? Yes. Do you do anything on the forks? Anything on your back? Um, the only thing I carry, if I can avoid it, I will never carry anything on my back. Um, but I have a little, like a hip pack, uh, the three liter race pack. Oh yeah. Um, but I carry, you know, my mirrorless camera an extra lens, you know, stuff. I carry some of that in there, my wallet, you know, stuff like that. So what, what have you, like, what advice can you give women that are looking because a lot, a lot of them are maybe shorter in stature. And I know whenever I was on the uh, Big Ben trip with like 16 uh, students, um, almost all all the girls were struggling with, you know, frame bag or uh, the bags were rubbing on their tires or yes. like all that kind of. So like, I don't have you like learned anything where you can like give some good pointers on. Yeah. So even just this past weekend, I was riding with another lady and she had that exact same problem. The, the Terrapin um, seat harness mm -hmm. um and just the little things like really learning your equipment so just moving the buckles to the next little uh daisy chain loop mm. up so that it angles your bag higher so it's right. not sticking straight out back and then sagging yeah. just little things like that just like i told her just open a bottle of wine one night and start <laughs> playing around with you know packing your bags and you know, the, the weight distribution is a big thing. So yeah. like not having all the heavier items towards the tail end of your tail bag so that it won't sag, right. you know, put all that towards the seat post, right. Or, uh, in your frame bag, like keep your center of gravity lower stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just trial and error. 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, so much of this is just like tinkering in your garage or opening a bottle of wine and like figuring something out. It's one of the really neat things about the sport is, I mean, it's an adventure from the second you decide, hey, I want a bike pack. Okay, great. Well, how am I going to get all this crap on my bike? Yeah. <laughs> how do yeah. I use all this stuff? And do I really need, do I really need all of it? Yeah. That's, that's one of the big things that I've found when I'm kind of guiding people and helping them through stuff like you know do you, do you really need a fresh jersey to ride tomorrow like <laughs> you don't have to you can if you want but yeah. you know just that's going to take up space and you're going to stink in five minutes anyways so <laughs> yeah no that's great i remember when i was getting into it i'm like do, so are people carrying like extra jerseys and extra shorts and like nope and a lot of times we just sleep in those shorts too <laughs> yeah. it's like you know it's gonna get nasty in the morning anyway and yeah. so same like, socks same socks yeah no shower like <laughs> run what you brung yep well no that's yeah i think that's good for people here like i mean there's not a school that people can go to and like learn all this stuff and yeah. so the adventure begins like really whenever you decide i want to i want to do this like it's yeah. just a lot of it is just in my backyard or in the garage like tinkering around um and you can you can find a someone's packing list from a trip that they went on um i know a lot of people want to be able to just find that list and a link to Amazon and go buy it all and then yeah. they're done. But the way that person uses their equipment is going to be totally different from the way you use the equipment. And right. maybe, maybe their conditions are different than what you're going to experience. So kind of going into that, I think it's a good way to start into it, but it's, it's not the end all be all like there's, there's other aspects yeah. to it. That's true. I learned a lot from looking at other people's list as well, but I don't, um, I don't focus too much on the gear in terms of you should, you should ride this bike or you should use this. This is what works for me. But the only way I figured it out was just through trial and error. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm much more of, I, I try to promote like go in your backyard or ride to a local park, you know, that's 10 miles away and you can call your wife or your husband or whatever to come get you if something goes wrong. Like, yeah. you know, just like baby steps, you know, and like figure out what you need, what you didn't need. And, and kind of go from there. Oh, we were talking about the equipment and I wanted to, um, it seems like the biggest, uh, issue with women's bikes is not only like the frame space is a limiting factor. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I got a custom bag for my wife's salsa Fargo and it, it does. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the seat bag where you really depend on it to carry like a lot of stuff she only has five and a half inches of clearance. So what seat bag have you found or mm. seat bags? Um, That's a tough one. I run, it's the Revelate. I also have a, a custom bag from Nuclear Sunrise out of El Paso. Um, but they're the small, just nine liter bags. Yeah, I, I started out, you know, with the 14 liter full size bag and it just, no matter what I did, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, on the Pony Express last year, I needed that extra space. And so the bindle rack came in. What is play. that like a, I don't even know what that is. <clears throat> yeah. So it's Portland Design Works. Um, it's basically like a rack that clamps to your seat post and then comes out and it's, it's a, I think it's just aluminum tubing. Maybe it's steel. I'm not real sure. Um, and it holds like the terrapin dry bag in there, kind of slides in. Oh. Yeah. So it, it prevents things from like slapping up and down or, yeah. or moving around too much. Okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. 
what it, where I finally landed with my wife's was on the uh, uh, porcelain rocket Mr. Fusion Mini. Okay. And the way the reason I like that system, have you used it or? No, I haven't used it, okay. but I'm I'm familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's the one that has the frame that attaches to the seat post, and so you can like crank that down and it's not going to go down any further. Yeah. You know? And so like that's, that system is the only one I could find that worked for her. Um, and she only has like half an inch of clearance, you know? So I think it's gnarly. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, you can, yeah, it's not a lot of clearance, but I, I'm, I'm going to put this out there again. I've said it before, but we need bike bag manufacturers and makers to like cater more towards, the smaller stature, whether, I mean, there's guys that are five foot tall, you know, yeah. like there just aren't a lot of great options out there. I, so. I have a few women on the, the team that I used to race with that mm-hmm. like they, they've spent two years looking for a gravel bike that'll fit them. They, they want to go ride gravel, but right. they can't find a bike that, right. that even fits them, you know, like much, much less the gear. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely an issue. Yeah. And it's so crazy too, because everybody recognizes women as the largest growth opportunity in the sport. Um, I mean, the, the numbers are just way skewed towards men, Mm -hmm. whether it's equipment bags and also participants. But part of that is like, we have this whole untapped market over here of people that want women who want to go and do this. And there just aren't, isn't the support. So for whatever it's worth, I'm putting it out there again. We need more people <laughs> making women specific or like not, even men, like just stuff for like smaller. low, smaller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm six foot two. And so like, that's, you're so lucky. I, I'm lucky in that <laughs> way. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but I like, I've, I've learned about it from my wife who's five, one or five, yeah. two. She's five, two. We'll give her five, two, five, two. She'll be happy. I said five, two, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm going through, I'm, I spent countless hours on the internet, like researching, 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 trying to find yeah. like how do I have a wife that wants to go bikepacking and wants to go, but how do I get yeah. all the gear on her bike? It's like a real problem. I've, I've been on trips, you know, as, as a female, I've been on plenty of trips where I'm the only female and I hear a lot of these guys talk about how they wish they could you know, bring their wives or, well, if you don't have the gear available, then like they can't even try it. Yeah. So if they can't even try it, they won't even know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's put that out there and hope someone's listening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you mentioned that you lead some trips. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I going back to the women, like there are, I found that a lot of women seem to want to try it, but you know, maybe it's a little intimidating because it is so male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like they maybe are, it's easier to talk to me about it. I, I'm not real sure, but, um, yeah, well, they don't want to get mansplained. Maybe, maybe that's, what that's it like is. a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we here, honey, let me show you how to fix that. It's yeah. Like, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me mad when I hear guys anyway, yeah. I'm just like, Anyway, <laughs> it sorry. happens. It, it does happen. It's got to be so frustrating. It is. It is especially very... like for you who knows like shut. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had plenty of instances like I'll, I'll show up to gravel events where we, there's a bikepacking event and that's happening in conjunction with it. And, yeah. And they just think I'm there, you know, super terrified to go out on this gravel ride. And I have all these bags on my bike in case something happens. It's like, no, I'm, I'm 
spending the night out, you know, and they're like, oh, well, that's, I think that's really awesome that you're doing yeah, that. Good like, for you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess that's nice, but I, yeah, it's like patronizing. It, yeah. It can be. I, yeah. I, I try to have the, okay, like they're, they're just trying to be nice, yeah, you know, mentality, yeah. but sometimes it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would definitely be hard for me. I'd be like, dude, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not as nice as you are, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how hard the day was before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, anyway, I got distracted or detracted from uh, you were talking about uh, taking women out and yeah. it's more you're more approachable, which I, I mean, obviously, like if I was a woman or my wife, I'm like, I, you you could give her more advice than I can. You know, I'm sitting here asking you questions because mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a, a woman. I, th- I think it is hard as a female, like, how do I approach a guy and say, well, what do you, are you comfortable at going to a state park on your own? Yes. You know, like that, that's something that I don't think crosses a lot of guys' minds. It didn't until not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So little, little things. um, And honestly, I guess it wouldn't, I don't want to say this. It hadn't always been top on my radar, but since doing this more, I've definitely paid more attention to it and realized that I'm already doing these things. So, like, if I show up to a state park um, after hours, let's say, and, you know, I'm not real comfortable, it's dark, well, I, I'm going to find that spot next to the camp host mm. and camp there yeah. instead of, you know, going off at the end of the road, you know, where no one knows I'm there, right? right? So I've had instances that I've shown up at state parks, um, it's been freezing cold and lo and behold, the camp host used to tour on bicycles, you know, oh, wow. and they're like, here, we'll set up a chair for you. We'll get the fire going. You go get a shower. We'll yeah. have all this ready for you. And he, they just, you know, it's amazing what you find when, yeah. when that happens. So, yeah. So are you doing, uh, like organized trip? Like, I guess if, if there's a woman who's interested in like going on a trip and learning from you, is there somewhere that they can go to? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, partnered with Kevin Lee of Spinistry. Uh, He's uh, based out of North Texas, does a lot of gravel events. Um, He does stuff in North Texas, Central Texas. We're kind of expanding a little bit, Colorado, some Oklahoma stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we're just trying to get some options out there because maybe not everyone wants to ride in Central Texas. Maybe it's too far for them, or maybe Colorado is really interesting to them for whatever reason, you know. Um, So, yeah, if, if they're interested, definitely they can reach out to me directly on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, or, uh, find the spinistry. Uh, I think it's the spinistry.com.net. I'm not real sure. I think it's .com. .com. Yeah. <laughs> I should know that. There's only one spinistry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, like you just type it in and it pops up and yeah, the spinistry gravel ride. You yeah. Know, then yeah. you'll find it. So, yeah. yeah. So if the, 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 and he'll post like events and, and yeah, we're trying, workshops and stuff. We're definitely trying to, um, kind of put more of them out there. Just it, even if there's just one person that bites and wants to go on a trip, like that's great. Let's go. One of the, one of the big things that we've found is it's the social aspect. Like that's, that's what people are, I guess, a little hesitant on. They don't have anyone to go with. Right. Mm. Like they may have all their bike buddies, but those bike buddies aren't interested in bike packing. Right. But they really are and they want to do this. And so having these organized trips, that that aren't just a spur of the moment type thing like they're planned and there's a planned route and there's maybe someone there that knows what they're doing so if you're new to this you don't have to face as much of that intimidation like right. there's, there's kind of a we're, we're trying to lower the barrier 
for right. more people to get involved. Oh, yeah. There's people there you can lean on and know what they're doing. And yeah. You're not going to get in over your head. And if you do, yeah. someone can help you out. Yeah. What, uh, what have you experienced, like, doing those events and watching new people be introduced to the sport? Like, what has that been like from your perspective? It's been awesome. It's been really awesome. So one of the things that I've definitely um, recognized is, you know, our, our, our lives are pretty much routine, right? Most people, you know, Monday through Friday go to work, wake up in the morning, they have a routine, they go to work, they have a routine, they come home, they have a routine. And if something is thrown into that, that kind of puts a kink into things, it kind of sends anxiety through the roof for, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. not, not everyone. Um, but then you take them out on these bikepacking trips where it doesn't matter how much you plan, something will go wrong. And it, it doesn't have to be catastrophic. It can be, you know, I'm bonking. I don't ever bonk. You know, why am I bonking? Right. So helping them work through those issues and watching them realize, oh, like I'm good. I, I made it through this <laughs> and I actually had a really good time and yeah. I'm going back to work kind of in a reset, hmm. you know, even if it's just a 24 hour trip or sub 24, right? Just being able to disconnect because we have so much going on in our daily lives back home that I almost feel like at a certain point, it's, it's a necessity to just walk away for just a short period of time and regather, regroup. Yeah. And then you come back and I feel like that sub 24 hour trip can carry you for a month or two, you know, you can't carry me that long. But well, yeah. <laughs> some people, for some people it can. No, I, yeah. no, I, uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I relate a hundred percent to that. Like it's, it's not, it's a necessity. Like the way you, yes. you said it, I, I just realized in my life that this isn't like an optional thing. Like if I'm not doing it, then like I'm not as happy. You yeah. Know, like, and the people around me aren't, they're, they're, they're suffering the consequences of that. <laughs> yes. My wife has 100% told me like, go ride your bike. Yeah. Like if I'm grumpy, you need to leave the house right now and go ride your bike. And I'm like, Hmm, seems like good advice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. It, it took me a long time to figure that out. How important that is. Yeah. Have you seen anyone cry yet? Oh yes. Like I mean, I've happy, cried. happy, te- happy tears, not Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, more of the one-on-one type stuff. So that, you know, just simple experiences where um, maybe not physical tears, but I had a lady that I, I had taken out and was guiding her on her first gravel ride and bikepacking trip, and yeah. she hadn't ever really camped. Right. So it was like the trifecta. And we saw, like, some buzzards, you know, Um flying what was a windy day and you know she was concerned that maybe there was something dead it's like well no if you watch them watch what they're doing and see this this like incline here and they're surfing the wind currents and then from that point on she was just every time she saw it she was just grinning from ear to ear because she realized that yeah oh no they're playing they're having (laughs) fun it's not because something died you know so like that change in perspective and then like from that point on, it was just watching the, it, it, it's like it opened her up right. to accept the experiences. Have you, uh, how, or how, maybe how, I'm sure you've seen, how, how often are you seeing like you take someone on a trip and it just like clicks with them, you know, you're like, 
oh man this yeah. is what i was missing yeah yeah um this last weekend yeah <laughs> one of those yeah yeah she had she had come out on a trip before um but then this she came out again this last weekend and it was just the two of us and we were sitting there at the campground and she just was like I, thank you like this is amazing this is i need i need this in my life i need to do this yeah. i need to figure out how to make this happen yeah so, i love that man yeah. that's part of the best part about yeah I, there's something so much fun of watching somebody open their horizon and their perspective to like a new reality you yeah. know, like I, I got to experience it. I was interested to hear your answer because I got to experience it for the first time um, on that big bend trip. That was a that was a great that trip. That looked I, awesome. I, I reference it all the time. Um, be, I, because, I bet those kids were. <laughs> God, it was. It's the same thing as like you're talking about. Like three of them had never camped before. One of them had never ridden a bike until four months prior to the event. Wow. We were talking about like greenhorns, you know, yeah. they're going out and you're familiar with Big Bend Ranch State Park. Yes. So, you know, the kind of terrain we did the hundred mile epic loop, including the solitario, nice. um, with, you know, five days in the desert with Just throwing six, them at the fire. huh? Yeah. I didn't do it. Jared <laughs> did, but I went along for the ride. Yeah. But what I saw was like the most impressive display of like humans, like just being adaptable and overcoming challenges. I mean, one girl like hit her like went over her bars and hit her face and like bit through her lip and she was like squirting water out of it. it was, yeah. <laughs> one girl wrecked forty four times. I saw that in the video. Yeah. It was so it was so awesome watching. Like you could see just the light in their eyes. That's the thing. You know? Is they none of that was discouraging. Yeah. None of the wrecks. None of the mechanicals. None of the, you know the rain or the wind that like all the, all the things that mother nature is going to throw at you didn't phase them a bit. When I, know? what I love about that is what I've learned now I've taken back to my daily life. And when shit hits the fan, yeah. I have those tools now exactly. to fall back on. And I have that confidence and like the things that used to really bug me and would, you know, I'd be having a great day and then something would happen and it would ruin the rest of my day. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm. All right. Uh, that's embarrassing. I just, uh, my memory card just got full. So we're, <laughs> we kind of got cut off and we're going to pick it back up again. Yeah. Do you remember where you were? <laughs> yeah. Um, just the life skills that you watch people realize that they've had all along, you know, it's, it's, they're relearning those life skills. Um, remembering them as I, I feel like everyone's had those at some point, you know, it's just life gets busy. You get kind of involved in everything and you kind of forget some stuff, you know? Yeah. So you're like, you forget you're a badass. Well, yeah, you forget you're capable of doing a lot more than you realize. That's a more eloquent way to say it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, I think that's one of the most, most rewarding aspects of guiding people. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, that's one thing that I've thought a lot about is that just as humans, we're capable of so much. And whether it's like a personal experience that you've had or just the fact that you're human and you just haven't put yourself in the position to find out mm -hmm. how capable you really are. Yeah. And that, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy that for myself as well as watching it, other people overcome stuff. Like that's, that's just a very empowering understanding to have of your own capabilities because yeah. like we were talking about how 
you take that back to your daily life and you're like, I mean, I've done some pretty hard stuff. Like, I think I can handle this. I don't know. This deadline client for work or, or something. Yeah, you know, this, yeah. You know, or whatever the flat on the, the tire went flat on a car or something. You're like, yeah. oh, I got to like, whatever. I mean, mechanicals are just a part of life. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just easy to help put things in perspective in like your daily life whenever you know that, yeah, you can, you're capable of a lot of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. how much, how much of the, um, natural world is a, is a motivator for you on these trips? Oh, a ton. Outside of just the bike, but yeah, a ton. I just, I love watching nature. The, the more you, the more you see it, the more you pick up on just little things and you watch how just animals behave, you yeah. know? And you're like, oh, well, that makes total sense. Yes. That, like they're not, they're not doing that just out of habit. Like there's a reason for that, you right. know. And and then the more you're out there, the more you see, right? So the more you kind of become in tune with things that are happening, the more you'll see the the little lizard, right? So getting into bikepacking, you know, we're we're facing a lot of fears, right? So snakes. It was a big, big thing for me. I've, I've always appreciated snakes, but from a distance, from a distance. Right. <laughs> so over the last few years, I took it upon myself to learn to identify snakes and that's really helped. It's, yeah. it's, it's given me a sense of control in an uncontrollable world, <laughs> but you know, like just this, this last trip in the last two days, I saw five rat snakes and a king snake, you know? but I was able to identify them. Yeah. And, and you know, those are non-pointers in this. Non-venomous. Non-venomous. Non <laughs> yeah. They will, uh, yeah. And the Leave king, them alone. A king snake eats other venomous snakes. Yeah, they so do. So like, you know, I'm <laughs> you like, like them. I'm like, big thumbs up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you keep going. Yeah, that's a, that's an important one. Yeah, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and actually speaking of knowledge is power, I wanted to ask you about wilderness, uh, you're WADA certified? Yeah, the Advanced First Aid Wilderness Advanced First Aid. Ah, Advanced yeah. First Aid. Yeah. Nice. I definitely recommend it. it at a minimum, the two-day course, the Wilderness First Aid course put on by Knowles. Uh, you can go on the Knowles website and look that up, yeah. or um, many times REI will, will have those classes. What kind of stuff are they teaching you in those classes? So it's just how to, if you come upon an incident, just... It's, it's all about kind of maintaining your composure, um, gathering information, uh, learning how to keep the, the patient comfortable. Um, most of the time it's not, you know, a life or death situation, but it can be really scary for the person you come across. And so yeah. if you have the knowledge, it helps you stay calm, which helps them stay calm. Right, right. So instead of being, oh, there's blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're squirting water out of your lip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm really um I really want to take that class. Yeah. I think my Boy Scout merit badge and first aid probably only goes so far. Like yeah. I, I feel like I could probably benefit. Like if you're gonna be going and doing like some adventures in just rural places like we're talking yeah. about big ben like yes having some backcountry first aid uh knowledge yeah is like yeah it, it's like a no-brainer but I, I feel like there's not as many people that have that certification as probably should yeah and it is time consuming like the the wilderness first aid class it's a two-day you know 16-hour weekend class so not everyone can that when they offer it can take that full weekend off. Um, yeah. the advanced first aid was a, 
a uh, five-day class. Right. So that was in Big Bend, wasn't it? It was in Big Bend. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that was awesome. <laughs> if you're if you're interested in taking one, I definitely recommend taking some time to go down there and take it from from yeah. that. Speaking of Big Bend, what's your favorite place to go ride? Hmm. One of mine is Big Bend, if not the. So, and I know you've spent a lot of time there as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you've traveled far and wide. Do you have Do you have a favorite? I am partial to the the American West. Yeah, it's I love the high desert. Yeah. It's it's so it's so rugged and so remote, and just you can get on the top of a mountain and sea for miles you know your your view right. is not encumbered by trees yes. you know and then you realize that people have been living here for a long time and here i am on a bicycle with all this modern technology right. and you're riding through this and, and you're roughing it and you're i'm like, roughing it i'm yeah. not no i'm not yes <laughs> so yeah. it's it's a very humbling experience you're just visiting that world people lived in it yeah. you know and thrived in it yes yeah yeah it really is humbling going back to like putting things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think high desert is, is my, my favorite. And and (laughs) yeah, big bend, I mean, is a perfect example. I mean, and, and the views you get, whether it's a sunrise or sunset, you can see so far. And then the night sky, the stars, it just, it's killer. I, I love to ask people this question. Uh, what's better at big Bend, daytime or nighttime? I think nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. It's that that's special. Yeah, the the night skies in Big Bend are unbelievable, and especially if the moon hasn't you know risen mm-hmm. yet, and there's a meteor shower going on. I mean, I could I could lay there all night and just stare at the stars. And yeah, it's amazing. I've definitely woken up sleep sleep deprived the next morning because I've just spent all night just staring at the stars, kind of getting lost and man, those are all stars. Those are all like little suns or, you know, oh, there goes the space station. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's the someone Milky up Way. there. You see the Milky Way really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Those are the kinds of experiences that when people have them for the first time, I mean, yeah, it changes lives. I saw it, you know, yeah. Big Ben. I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is out here. You know, I'm this little speck on this little speck. amongst all these other little specks (laughs) man that's a weird train of thought because then you can be like okay i'm i'm insignificant you can make yourself extremely insignificant if you spend too much time thinking about it then you're like well what's the purpose of any of this (laughs) yes exactly exactly (laughs) you've been there i have been there anyone who's stared at the night sky and big ben for long enough i'm sure is like has gone through a similar oh yeah you know, thought process. I think everyone should go through it. I think they should. Yeah, you need to. And it puts, it helps put life in perspective. Like yeah. whatever happens, you're like, okay, this really is like not a big deal. I'm not a big deal. You're not a big deal. The situation isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I, I love that perspective. And that's one of the reasons we were talking about the necessity of going outside. It's that part of it is the necessity of reconnecting with that idea of chill, man. It's yeah. going to be fine. You're just a little speck. That's all you are. Yeah. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. The sun's still going to rise. It really is. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing when you're in the wilderness and it doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. Like you. You're, you're, you're definitely a guest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't care about you at all. And you realize how, how small. And, yeah. I love it. All that stuff. Yeah. I could talk about that for hours, but I know uh, 
might yeah. run out of memory again. I know. I'm already on <laughs> memory card number two. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about Pony Express route. Yeah. Is this like your own passion project? You had the idea for it. Tell yeah. It, yeah. Where did that come from? So going back to previous comments about you know getting out in the desert completely underprepared, running out of water, being 40 miles from the nearest paved road, and having to hit the help button for my husband to come find me. Yeah. Um, I came out of that situation and realized, no, I, I want to ride through, you know, Utah and Nevada and started kind of looking at roads and I was looking at maps. I'm kind of a map nerd. I, lo- I love just sitting for hours and staring at maps. Paper or digital? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah. So I started to look at like BLM maps and then I saw where it said like the original Pony Express and it was a line. I was like, wait a second. So I went online and, you know, zoomed in on satellite. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it's like there's a trail still there. And what? started doing a bunch of research and realized that, wait a second, I, like they still re-ride the Pony Express every year. It's like a big caravan. By um, horse? Or? By horse. Okay. Yeah. They, they recreate the route. Um, well, if they can do it on horse surely i can do it you know and it turns out most of it goes through blm land uh it's open for bikes you can go out there and wild camp you know and so i said okay let's let's put this together and then i was um when was that that was probably i guess three years ago so right right after i had kind of gotten into bikepacking so were you you surprised that nobody else had yeah. Identified that? Yeah. Yeah. I really was. I, um, this was, let's see, I guess a year after that, I went and did the Baja Divide and oh, cool. kind of met up with Nick and Lail. And did you? Yeah. Did you do that, the inaugural ride? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that man, was it's... an amazing experience. Oh. <laughs> that, that honestly, it was life changing. Yeah. I feel like that, that experience is what kind of set me on this path. Well, why? So, that, you can't say life changing and then, yeah. Like what happened on that trip? What was uh, like? just eye-opening you know like there's this whole other world out there i had it, it was mexico so of course everyone especially here in texas like oh you don't want to go to mexico it's dangerous it's not <laughs> safe and especially as a single female you know and one day in i was like this is that's that's all just hype you know like yeah sure there's dangerous places but there's dangerous places here you yeah, know yeah so the guy we, got shot <clears throat> about a half a mile from here yeah like and killed yeah like, yeah anyway it, it happens you know I, I you could walk out your front door and lightning could strike That's so a, it's a it's an important perspective because people talk about fears but it's like man what are you gonna do sit around all day and like yeah. sit on your thumbs because you're afraid of everything yeah and i got i got tired of that i got tired yeah. of letting it Being a prisoner to dictate that. how i was gonna live my life yeah so went down there and um just kind of mentioned it and I was really surprised at the number of people who were like, no, like you need to make that a route. And I, I had just mapped it for my own purpose, you know. And I talked to a bunch of people, and they were gung ho about it. And I was like, okay, well now it kind of took on its own own life. So I had to. Now you told people about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> told people about it, and had to kind of try and make it a little more official. And yeah, and like, oh, I, I need to actually verify that it is a route that goes through and not did you pick Lael and nick's uh, brain on on the baja divide a little bit a little yeah. bit yeah i didn't ride with them a whole whole lot um but just other people that i found myself riding with you know mm-hmm. just talking to him about it. and then over the years you know like going to the bikepacking summit and talking to 
you know, way more experienced bikepackers about, you know, there's one section as you leave Salt Lake City and you make your way to Austin, Nevada, it's 400 miles and only about the first 200 has water. There's no food resupply in Mm. that 400 miles. So if you want food, you have to drop down 30 miles off the route one way. Okay. So, you know, how do you, how do you map that? How do you route that? You know, because there are some people that can do that. Right. They, they know they're comfortable taking that on. There's a lot of people that aren't. So, like, do I map it to just ride straight through and let people figure that out on their own? Or do I map it, okay, no, you go down here and come back up. Yeah. What did you do? Um, that's something I'm still debating. Yeah. You know, it's... I think you just, I mean, my my thought is just like make a note be like hey you know it's 400 miles 200 only only 200 has water yeah there's a supply here if you need it you know and just make it available yeah maybe it's it's but i've never created a route so it's hard because i i the last thing i want is to find out that someone maybe didn't do their research and got out there and got into a lot of trouble for sure you know so i i i I don't know how I would handle that. <laughs> That's a really good point, man. Yeah. Like you're you're laying, you're putting something out there. Other people are going to go ride it mm-hmm. based on the beta that you provided. Yeah, that's heavy. And there's a lot of people that really aren't aware that there is still that much wilderness in this country. That right. you can go 400 miles. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a road, but you may not see someone on that stretch of road for three or four days. That's so cool, though. Yeah, I want to go ride it now. <laughs> it's it's awesome. I'm I'm leaving Wednesday to go kind of that that section that 800 miles from Salt Lake City to Sacramento again. Yeah, to try and kind of look. There's if you want to follow the true original route, it's some of it's overgrown, so it's some hike a bike. Otherwise, you can take a detour and go see some really cool petroglyphs. You know, okay. so there's there's lots of options through yeah. there. Yeah. So you had the idea and then started mapping it out at this point where well maybe actually what is the route like how many miles is it where does it start where does it finish and then yeah yeah start there so it starts in st joseph missouri which was the original starting point for the original pony express uh goes up to scotts bluff nebraska up to casper wyoming and it goes over the original south pass so many people will know south pass from the divide so the route does cross the divide, but you don't go through South Pass City. You go through the original pass that the immigrants had to cross over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes that far north because the Rockies and Colorado are pretty much impassable <laughs> <laughs> by a lot of standards. Um, and then it drops back down to Salt Lake City, goes across uh, through there to Lake Tahoe over to Sacramento. It's about 2,200 miles. And how much is off pavement? Oh, I'd say at least 85%. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's there's some stretches of pavement um, that, I mean, you're kind of in some of the least populated areas of the country. So there's not a lot of traffic. So is it pretty safe in terms of like vehicular traffic? I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's like my biggest thing that I, my wife worries about dogs. I worry about cars. Yeah. Yeah. How are the dogs? Uh, it's pretty remote so if you run across a dog that <laughs> he's probably hungry he's probably hungry yeah <laughs> dog dog probably wants that granola bar you're you're snacking on but yeah. yeah i i haven't had any issues with it yeah yeah have you ridden the entire route i have ridden 
I, I can't say that I've ridden the whole route straight through. Uh, I guess the whole route isn't technically official yet, but um, in parts I have ridden the whole route. Yeah. Well, I kind of jumped ahead. Yeah, I, that was one of the questions is like, at what stage are you at in the, okay, it's a route, like here yeah. it is, here's a GPX file. Anyone can, like the file's available out there, anyone can go ride it right now. I, I, I feel comfortable with the file that's out there if yeah. people want to do it. And I've marked um, all along the route, there's still historical buildings, like some of the original Pony Express stations, are, they're in ruins. Some of them have been uh, rebuilt. Um, there's markers that you know designate where the stations were with a little history information on each of them. Um, and then I've marked, tried to mark campgrounds, um, like in some of the kind of Kansas, Nebraska areas. Um, and then like bike shops, stuff like that. I've tried to mark all that. So if someone just took the route, uh, the GPS file, they could head out. Yeah. Why, why, why did you create the route? I mean, in three years you're still working on, it, you're about to go head out again. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a lot of work. I wanted to write it myself. Um, and last year, um, I had scheduled to go ride and scheduled myself to go ride the whole route. And a week before I headed out, my father passed away from an overdose. Um, and so I kind of had this, oh, like it's a week before I'm leaving. Should I really do this? And talked to my husband about it quite a bit and he was really encouraging. And so I went out and wrote it and it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. And that experience and seeing all of the history that's still there, you know, kind of reconnecting, like we talked about earlier, like, yeah, there's people that lived out here, mm-hmm. you know, and they survived, you know, and they eked out a living and to see all of that and kind of, it's, it's humbling, you know, and you just, I had, I had an experience where I came over the top of a pass in Wyoming and just, it looks like you're on top of the world, you know, and. I just lost it, (laughs) (laughs) kind of had that someone, if someone had seen it, they probably would have thought I was manic, but (laughs) it was that moment of freedom. Just, I had all this in my past and this is a chance for me to start again. And so that would have never happened if I hadn't have been out there. So yeah, I have a kind of a, it's my baby. (laughs) Yeah. So never out your baby. Yeah. I want, especially I, after that experience, I can't imagine like now you have like a personal connection with it. Yeah. I just, I'd like, I'd like for other people to experience it, you know, if they well, have the time. <laughs> what's, what's the plan for that? Like, uh, so you've got a route out there, like, is there a race or an event that you're going to do? Or? So I'd originally planned to do that this year, but the guiding thing kind of happened and I realized this is an opportunity for me to kind of chase a dream. Right. And so I, I've pushed back that event, that group start. And I was, Mm -hmm. I was really inspired by like what Nick and Lael did with Baja. You know, it it was just an unofficial, Hey, let's meet at this date at this place and let's go ride. You'll find people and hook up and yeah, we have the same like schedule, same desires with what we want out of this trip and let's just go ride, you know? So I'd, I'd love to see that happen. Um, I realize that it's difficult for people to take that much time off. So the, the nice thing about the route is you can break it up pretty easy. You could, okay. you know, Casper, Wyoming has an airport, Salt Lake City has an airport and then Sacramento. So yeah. like, you can easily break the route up. Is there like a peak time to ride it? 
So I think personally, uh, this time right now, like late spring. Yeah. Um, of course, it's been a little different this year with all the snow that's been happening. Right. Um, but yeah, I, that. Uh, that's the biggest issue is snow and then heat, I guess. So you just yeah. got to find the sweet spot between the two. Yeah. Because you're, you're going through so much varied terrain. Right. Right. You know, and especially in the mountains of Nevada, in the middle of the summer, you could get a freak snowstorm. Like it's not unheard of. Hmm. So you kind of, there. I don't know that there is a perfect time. But I, I feel like spring, some of the roads, um, if you wait all summer after everyone's driven on them and it's dried out, they can get really deep and sandy. Mm. So, you know, fall would probably be beautiful, but then you might have more sand. So you may need a plus bike or a fat bike at that point. So, that's actually, that was my next question. Yeah. What, what do you recommend in terms of bike tire? So the last, uh, this last year when I rode it, I did it on my cutthroat with a Lau fork and a set of two one mezcals two ones yeah okay so so as long as it's not too sandy you can get away with just a standard mountain bike tire yeah yeah what's up with that Lau fork oh i love it is it good i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've had it a few years now um i got it after attempting the divide and just getting jarred all over the place yeah um i mean i can stay in my arrow bars over washboard so and not miss a beat yeah so the the uncool penalty of the looks oh whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean it's taken a while to get used to like the look of it i which is which isn't an issue i'd be happy to um try one uh the money side is the part where i i'm like eh, this steel fork is fine yeah yeah (laughs) but if you're gonna ride 2200 miles you might want to invest in whatever gear is going to make it as enjoyable as possible yeah what else can you tell people about the route that I think that you think they should know, or maybe like get someone stoked to go out there and ride it? Like, if if you are interested in how this country came to be, like I really feel like the Pony Express route can give you kind of a different insight to that. It, it's the route follows the Mormon Trail, the California Trail, and the Oregon Trail. It's all the same route up until a certain point, and then it kind of splits off. It kind of mm. feathers out. So there's, there's so much history and you realize that like, there's still wagon ruts out there, you know, there's still, um, there's a section in, in, uh, Nebraska outside of Scotts Bluff that there's, there's a wagon on the side of the road still. Really? Yeah. It's the axle broke and they just left it, you know, like what else, what else can they do? Right. It's there. It's got a fence around it, but you know, there's unmarked graves, there's stone huts, there's, you know, there's markers out there and you'll be riding along and it's not just the Pony Express markers, it's the Oregon Trail, the California Immigrant Trail. Um, you'll come through like the, the Mormon handcart centers, like the Mormons crossed the country with handcarts. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have Ox. oxen or yeah. horses, you know, and they walked it. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, uh, I actually grew up Mormon. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I really like tuned in whenever you said that i'm like oh that's kind of interesting yeah i'm not mormon anymore but um it encompassed a lot i mean obviously like my, my childhood and like growing up and all that and so it, it would be like neat for me to go ride it and kind of make those connections and be like oh this is what they did yeah you know and kind of like connect with that because yeah that i mean yeah that goes back to like people just being like badasses yeah you know it's like I'm here with a bike. I got all this fancy stuff. And like these people just 
hand carts. Yeah. Just, hey, let's pull this cart behind us across America <laughs> yeah. in hopes of something better. Yeah. And you and, didn't have Google where you could do like a five-star review hotel. And <laughs> right. Like, what, 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 what's there when we get there? Yeah. The only thing you're going on is the story that somebody told you. Yeah, or, look for this rock that has this special look to it and yeah. then go left. You know? Yeah, that's cool. That, that makes me kind of, uh, not that I wasn't interested in writing it, but I, I like the historicity aspect of it for sure. I think that's that's really neat. How, how hard is the route? I mean, I, I, that's probably a hard question, but yeah, because I mean, like my my perspective and someone who's you know ridden in Patagonia, like to them it might be easy, yeah. you know. But the the resupply out in Utah, and Nevada can be difficult. Um, I I also feel like it is a good route if you have a little bit of experience and you kind of want to grow, because when you start in in St. Joseph, you're you're riding for farmland mm. through Kansas and then parts of Nebraska, so it's relatively populated. And then you start to get into Scotts Bluff and stuff kind of thins out a little bit and you get into Wyoming and it slowly thins out some more and then you leave Salt Lake City and it's like, oh, like we are in the wilderness now. You yeah. know? So you, you kind of work your way up to it. And, you know, I took six weeks to do that initial ride, took, took days off, you know, and went and saw like Devil's Tower and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you work your way into yeah. that stuff and you gain that confidence along the way. And if you aren't feeling it, call it in Salt Lake city or yeah. Casper and you know, that's a good idea. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of like work your way into it and you warm up to the idea of 400 miles with yeah. no resupply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much elevation is there? Do you know? Uh, it's actually not that bad. About 86,000 feet. Okay. You, do, you do cross, you know, I think yeah, it's that's like not bad 16 at all. mountain ranges. Uh-huh. Um, and it's all in Nevada. <laughs> the vast majority of that climbing is in Nevada. Wow. So, all right. So, if people want to find out about that, what's the best way for them to yeah, find the file or more information about the route? So, I have a my ride report is um, on Ride with GPS on their ride report page. Uh, I do have a Facebook page for it and a group as well um, Bike the Pony Express. So you can probably go on there and find that. Uh, And then the same handle on Instagram where I'm, I'm hoping to put up some more photos and stuff. And my goal there is if other people ride it, you know, tag bike pony express and let's get those pictures out there. And so people, yeah, get people excited about it. Have you reached out or thought about reaching out to like, um, ACA? Uh, not ACA. I've, I've reached out, um, forcebikepacking.com. Yeah. Yeah. And then I am a regional advisor for bikepacking routes for Texas. Oh, cool. So cool. I've kind of been in contact with them a little bit as well. So, so maybe we get some more support from, yeah, from the big guns in the yeah. industry. Cause I, I would, I would love to have, you know, um, all the beta out there, the information yeah. about all of it. It's just, it's a pretty daunting task. <laughs> How has bikepacking.com responded to that? Uh, they're, they're definitely interested. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once it seems like the criteria, as far as I can tell, is like, you know, good route information, um, all the resupplies, all the things we've talked about, mm-hmm. but, and then they want some nice pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I need, I need to get other people's perspective on the route before I'm really comfortable saying, yeah. you know, like, here it is. Cause you know, my view on it, I'm in love with it, but someone right. else may could go out there and hate it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's good. I guess if you did a, like a group start kind of thing, you'd have however many people showed up to mm-hmm. be like, Oh man, that was awesome. Or Ooh, we need to work on that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. That's exciting. That's crazy. 
That's such a huge project. I just got <laughs> done talking to um, Chuck Campbell, who did the Arkansas High Country route. Yeah. Um, that one was just released to ACA, and that was, he like called ACA and started talking to him about it. He never he didn't even have a route. He just, it was like an idea that he had, and he called them, and then uh, the state of Arkansas found out that he was like planning this. They they wound up coming up with like a hundred thousand dollars to and they paid him to develop this route nice um anyway maybe maybe something to think about yeah um i understand what you're saying like you don't want to like put it out there put it out there until it gets ready but you know some of these organizations could potentially like get involved and like help speed along the process and that's what happened to chuck was like he's like i just had this idea and all of a sudden i'm like i mean there's like a hundred grand out there so like yeah time to okay it's like time <laughs> to stop talking about it and like actually go and like put out some good good information yeah but that's i mean that's so cool that like the industry is like yeah like we'll put some money up like we need these kind of yeah. routes because yeah without routes it's like well what are, where are we going you know well, to your comment earlier like the number of people from overseas so on the other side of the pond that are coming over mm-hmm. right on when i've been out there riding the number of people that I've run into that are like, yeah, we don't have any of this space in Europe. Yeah. So we take our month long vacation every year. Like I've met people that buy a truck and store it in California <laughs> and just come over for one month every year and just drive through the American West. Wow. You know, so like it's, it's definitely a, it's, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. There's a lot of potential. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah. We're so fortunate. Mm-hmm. We're so fortunate to, you know, I, I, I'm a big Roosevelt fan that he set aside all this wilderness. Yeah. And then now of people who are like creating the routes so that other people can go out and experience all this beautiful land that we have here. A lot of people don't even really know about it or can't access it. And that's what your route does. And all what all these other routes do. It's like, okay, you want to go see it? Here it is. Get on your bike. And here's information that'll help you you know, yeah. go do it. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for taking the time. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, the, the bikepacking community is going to benefit from just more cool places to go ride. All right. I'm going to ask you a hard one to close out with. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not hard. I asked Lael the same question and I, uh, so I, I'm married to my wife and I have two daughters and, um, what, what advice could you give to them or just all women out there who are interested in getting into cycling and bikepacking and going on these kinds of adventures? Like what's the, what's their biggest advice you can give somebody? Start small and just go. Like, I don't care if it's just to ride your bike to the grocery store. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it's, you made it five miles down the road, you got on your bike and you went and yeah. that's, that's the only way you're going to get started. Yeah. You know? Um, and definitely, you know, find someone to, ask questions. Yeah. Are you one of those people? Yeah. (laughs) Send me a message, you know, ask me questions. I I just, I want to see more people outside on bikes. (laughs) Well, you and I are on the same mission. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'm the same way, you know, you can always message me and I know for a fact, uh, watching you interact on the internet for years before I actually just met you that you are a huge resource. And so I I'll advocate for people to reach out to you. What's the best way to get in contact with you um so you can 
instant message me, you know, on, on Facebook. Wonderlust on, by bike. Yeah, on, on Instagram, I'm Wonderlust. That's a W-U-N-D-E-R, uh-huh. uh, Wonderlust. And then you can you can email me at the same thing at Gmail. So it's so, uh, wonderlustbybike at gmail. At gmail.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for coming on. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. I enjoyed it. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, one more time before I get off of here and you switch over to your second favorite podcast, I just want to remind you that if you'd like to financially support the show, you can find me on Patreon at Bikes or Death. Um, you can also, uh, support the show by leaving a review on iTunes, a five-star review. That's the best one. Uh, don't forget. And, uh, and now I've made it even easier to support the show. Um, I set up an Amazon affiliate link. All you got to do is go to my website, bikesordeath.com, click that affiliate link, bookmark it. And then every time you buy something on Amazon, it takes a little bit of money out of Jeff Bezos pocket and it puts it into mine. And I think we can all agree that that is a better use of those dollars. I'm going to put it to such better use. I'm going to make it I'm going to make great bikepacking podcast content from me to you. Simple. What is is Jeff going to do that for you? I don't think so. No, he's going to he's going to make like a a skyscraper on the moon or something. He doesn't need a skyscraper on the moon, but we do need bikepacking content. And that's where you come in. All right, uh, what else? Hey, if you want to follow me, you can. You can follow me on Instagram at Bikes or Death. You can find me on Facebook, Bikes or Death. And if you just want to email me, you can do that too. Bikes at bikesordeath.com. Now, it's time to go ride your damn bike. And if you're already riding your bike, give yourself a pat on the back. You earned it. <laughs>